We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. Season-defining games already in early October. Is this the week that Kansas clicks its heels and goes back to losing? Or is this the week that we find out that Oklahoma is in trouble? This is College Game Day podcast for Friday, October 7th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly here to make picks. Um, Let's start with this. Let's start with this. How did we do last week, Taylor? Because Pete and I, we talk on Saturday morning. We never remember who we picked. We don't even know who we're rooting for or against, which is bad. But, you know, it's more relaxing. we we rely on you. Do you, yeah. do you know who you picked, Bill? Or are you rooting no. for your team? No, I, I, I mean, I basically know because I do follow my numbers most of the time, but I always go against them a couple times and I forget which games those are, yeah. so I lose track. That You know, I probably shouldn't say that because that means, that suggests that we're not convicted about our picks. That's not true. I get distracted. <laughs> the show's coming, you know, and, and then by then I'm like, wait, did I, did I take the six or did I lay the six? I, you know, and you try to remember, especially on these tight games. So how did we do last week? How we do last week, Taylor? So Bill went six and six. Reese, you went six and six, and Pete went five and seven. So yeah. not uh, we've seen we've seen worse weeks on the pod for sure. <laughs> we did, but we saw better weeks the week before. Um, yeah, that's yes. true. Yeah, we were killing it last week. Talkative and sucking less. Yeah. <laughs> so Bill, you're taking. Uh, we were talking about this just before we started, and I wanted to I wanted to start with this. <laughs> Do you you write about soccer too? Yeah, football as they call it in Europe. Do you do that because you really love it, or do you do that because you think somehow it makes you this more erudite, uh, cultured gentleman? I, I don't do it to make my Twitter followers happy. I'll say that much because <laughs> I'm pretty much guaranteed to alienate a certain percentage of Twitter followers, no matter what I put out in, in a given week. Because either you followed me for football and you don't really care, or you followed me for soccer and you're really just getting drowned out for most of the week. So, uh, good experiences all around. I'm very customer friendly. Um, no, I, I, I've always, I've always enjoyed soccer, you know, coming here, the data I had, I had access to and all that kind of made it a little better because I knew whether I was full of crap or not. Um, and it really is the, the history and the, just the, the passion involved there, the more familiar you are with college football, even if you don't actually like soccer, the more familiar you'll be with just the landscape of European soccer and all the histories and all the rivalries and everything that goes on. So I feel like it was a pretty natural thing to take on. And I, I, I definitely like doing it. Well, the reason Pete that we bring it up is because Ted Lasso, used to coach at Wichita State, and the uh, actual person is a Kansas guy. Jason Sudeikis is a Kansas guy, which probably offends Bill's sensibilities as a Missouri guy, too. I think that those those sensibilities have been pushed all over the place in these last few weeks. I'm getting pretty used to it by now. 
Would if you met Jason Sudeikis, would you wear your Barry Odom jersey that you had in college? Your Barry. I, Odom? I do need to find that. My wall's still. I would love if you wore that on the pod one right week. back here. No, I think um, you need to wear it one week on the pod. If, if Arkansas to... comes through for you on like a backdoor cover, <laughs> I think you really need to. Uh, I think you really need to just just bust that out one week. Just well, apparently... not show up in one of your designer hoodies, but instead show up. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna see me in this thing for the rest of the season. We've reached uh, Sherpa hoodie season. No, I, I do. I you know Barry seems to need a little bit. Of extra little extra oomph this year it's not going all that well so uh you know maybe if, if i'm feeling kind one of these weeks i'll find where it is and uh throw it on and it wasn't for the record this was 1997 so it wasn't an official like didn't have odom on the back or anything it was just one of those team store sales when they're like hey we got all these jerseys do you want one for 30 dollars?" and i found number 39 and said i own myself a barry odom jersey Barry's got his hands full uh, yeah. dealing oh, yeah. with Will Rogers and the fellas yes, on does. Saturday, I think. Yeah. Cowbells. Cowbells Arkansas, can't be fun for Barry. Mississippi State. You know, you know, Sam Pittman has beaten Mike Leach in both of their meetings. But Rogers, so. Rogers thrown for 400 yards. He's tied Tim Couch for the most 400-yard games in SEC history. Hmm. What's the common denominator there between Will Rogers and Tim Couch? Let me think yeah. for just a second. I <laughs> yeah. guess it's Mike Leach, right? Yeah, he's had he's done. Basically, I I thought they could be really Mississippi State could be really, really solid this year. And they have been except for like 30 minutes against LSU. And that kind of ruined it kind of ruined the narrative a little bit. But they've looked great since. And I'm curious uh, when Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, they could either run some ambitions or get a coach fired here in the next few weeks. But Lee Corso calls them sometimes we're, we're approaching the season and it's earlier than ever in college football for the, the old JS game, the job saver, yeah. you know, and it, it's getting earlier and earlier these days. Do, do your numbers show any JS games this weekend, Bill? <laughs> well, I mean, every, every Auburn game is a JS game. Let's be honest. Um, I actually kind of, I'm, I'm kind of as well. Well, actually, I don't even know for picking Auburn, Georgia, because it's not a, exactly a huge game this week. But um, I feel pretty good about Auburn covering just as a challenge to Georgia because they just they have taken their time showing up the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they could turn around and be up 28 nothing after a quarter. And Brian Harson's gone by halftime. I don't know. But <laughs> that's that's the one. And of course. We don't know all the JS games out there because I certainly didn't know Wisconsin, Illinois was one last week. So uh, surprises all around, I guess. I have a definitive one. Louisville at Virginia, noon ACC network. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. a good one, Pete. And I uh, believe there's a buy for the Cardinals following that. <laughs> right. Uh, that, so. that hasn't been the same there since the, the flirtation with South Carolina, right? I mean, it just hasn't hasn't been the same at Louisville. That's, that's fair to say. Now there isn't a there has been an AD change since then, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, he did his original six year deal, and that has not been extended. So mm-hmm. we're not we're not talking sort of the gobs of Nebraska money here. We're probably in the neighborhood of, of five million, which I'm not going to ever sneeze at that. Just like the mm-hmm. eleven million Chris ended up with, um, which was almost cut in half. Like that's still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just I, I, I never want to minimize millions because millions are hard to find on any college campus, especially a public school. Now, again, there's yeah. foundations and donors and, and all that and all that good stuff. There but are horses in Louisville. There are there's bloody there's horses in bourbon. That's pretty much yeah. what, that's what the, the the they are run on. Um, yeah. Boston's run on Duncan. Uh, the Young Center is run on. Uh, Horses, bourbon, probably some Taco Bell too. Well, my my suggestion was that they might be able to find money around around those horses too to be able to do that because that's the thing. The ACC teams 
the big checks coming in, at least to the schools and media rights, not the same as, you know, as what the Big Ten can count on and what the SEC can count on in coming years. And maybe it changes the calculus a little bit for them. But it's a it's a fascinating thing to watch all these JS games. So we might as well. Thankfully, our jobs don't rely on picking these games correctly and winning we, we'd oh. all be we'd all be fired. It would be uh, Sarah and Taylor uh, toasting the podcast, and then they'd get fired because they missed too. Everybody does. I mean, you know, except the bear. I don't know what the bear did last week, but he's been on fire on the board. Uh, two and one, two and one, two and one. Very consistent. It's like Watch a back, Bill. Uh, like a methodical <laughs> ground attack. Yeah, while while we were all kicking butt on the podcast two weeks ago, I always put like five best bets in my Friday column. They went one and four, and then last <laughs> week we resort we revert to form and and we all go back around five hundred. And I went four and zero. Oh. The other one that I UCF uh, SMU under uh, was the other one, but you know that was it's been a, it's been a roller coaster, and I, I haven't really uh, you never really feel like you have your feet underneath you making these picks. It's fun, though. I mean, like like the great Barry Sachs, former senior coordinating producer at, at ESPN, used to say, just tell me who and by how many. That's what he wanted to know. So, Taylor, that's where we are. Let's make some picks here on the Friday edition of the College Game Day podcast. All right, gents. First up, Tennessee is a three-point favorite headed to LSU. Let's go, Reese. Pete Bill. And that little uh, that little rejoinder there is a reminder that we have stakes wagered. That's the stakes of the picks. The race for the ribeye, week number six. Tennessee at LSU. Uh, LSU won an SEC game last week with five yards passing <laughs> in the second half. Uh, Jaden Daniels left that game. Uh, whether he'll be able to go, hopefully he will be able to go for LSU. Um if not, even if even if he is able to go, I think there's too much firepower for Tennessee. I think they're fortunate to catch them at 11 a.m. local time, which seems like a silly thing to say unless you've actually been to Baton Rouge <laughs> and see how irritated their fans are when they have to play that early game. And they're not; it's not quite the same environment that it is for a night game, especially. But they can also get revved up for a big. Uh, 3.30 Eastern time window game. Um, I think Tennessee covers this game and wins and sets up uh, sets up the showdown with Alabama next week uh, coming in undefeated. Would we think of LSU differently if there was not a blocked extra point on the on the opening weekend? Would we would we perceive them even with their recent struggles in the with the pass game and, and Jaden Daniels has been up and down and they had a players only meeting to try to with the receivers and the quarterbacks this week to try to get on the same page a little bit more. But would we think of, of LSU drastically differently if not that for, for that one data point there? Um, so I will default to Brian Kelly in close games, and I will default to LSU at home in, in this. And I just think Tennessee's defense has not truly been stressed yet. And I'm not saying LSU was designed to do it, but I do think that – especially with Jaden Daniels with his legs and, and maybe they get, they use that to get him going a little bit more that I, that I think that LSU can kind of figure out a way to ham and egg this thing. Yeah. I mean, that, the big plays are non-existent in the LSU offense, but they are still pretty efficient. They're moving the chains, you know, they're, they're, 
doing okay in the field position battle, things like that. So, I mean, it, it, they're, they're a real four and one, let's put it that way. It's not like um, they've been kind of lucky and, and skated by the last year. Last week was a little lucky, a little weird, um, but that's just an Auburn game for you, I guess. I, I would feel better about this game if Tennessee's biggest weakness wasn't they give up too many big plays. Cause I'm not sure how much that applies uh, against an LSU team that doesn't make any. And, and that makes it a, a weird matchup. My numbers say like Tennessee by 1.9. So like right at the line, I don't get a lot of value from that. I, I kind of feel better about Tennessee just because um, the, the, the proven commodities, the fact that they almost certainly will make more big plays. And that's, what's almost tripped them up a couple of times this uh this season, I do feel better about that. And as as somebody who went to the Missouri night game last week, first night game they've had there in I don't know twenty six years or something, that environment really does make a difference uh, between the the seven something o'clock and the eleven o'clock something. So I do feel better about Tennessee here. Let me just sneak in that you should keep your eye on Cedric Tillman if you're going to invest in this game. He obviously had the tightrope ankle surgery. There's a chance he comes back, but that obviously is going to be a big factor into Tennessee's ability to explode. So for the investors, uh, keep your eyes open Saturday. You know, that that's really interesting before we go to the next one, because the way it's been explained to me, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a trainer or a surgeon, but the tightrope surgery for an ankle is something that a guy can come back from in a couple of weeks if he's, say, an offensive lineman, if he's a quarterback who's not a right. This is a, a running threat. This is a little different for a skill player uh, coming back from that. And, you know, everybody heals differently, and and it's a pretty remarkable surgery to give guys the opportunity to overcome these high ankle sprains early. But that would be that would be that would be quite a fascinating thing if Cedric Tillman could play, what is it, two weeks after having the tightrope? That's at a skill position that relies on speed and cutting. That that would be that'd be impressive. It's not like he's a left tackle, you know? Not that they those guys don't ride on their feet, but you know, they're not it's not the same type of movement. The famous tightrope is Tua. And the thought was after the tightrope, he was going to be limited in his mobility, right? But you could drop back and throw, mm-hmm. but you know, putting and exploding are different things on the tightrope. Yeah. yeah Bruce McCoy and Mel Keaton, by the way, both uh, have, have risen to the challenge so far. Yes. Um, so I do feel better about that uh, than I would have otherwise. So I, I don't, obviously he, he makes them better, but I, I, I still feel pretty confident in Tennessee. Yeah. I'm going Tennessee too, but this could be a Kayshawn booty uh, emergency yeah. moment, but they now. haven't, they haven't been able to get him to get him going. Him and Quentin Johnston. We're just going to sit yeah. back and wait. <laughs> It's like it's like a Joseph Ngata at Clemson. You know, you just yeah. keep waiting, waiting, waiting for him to be to be great. It is good. All right, it's the Ting in your Tang Tang game. College game day headed to Lawrence as well as TCU, the seven point favorite facing off against Kansas. Let's go, Pete Bill Reese. Well, I certainly have uh, picked against Kansas plenty enough to. Have been burnt by it. I am excited to uh, to head to Lawrence uh, this this week. By the time our listeners uh, have this podcast, we will uh, we will likely have gained three pounds from all the ribs that we uh, that we plan on digesting while we're uh, while we're there. Bill, open to suggestions if you have any uh, oh, for that. Okay, good, good. We are we are certainly. There's one thing that aligns Reese and I is that our our love of large amounts of meat uh, being served on large platters. So mm-hmm. we are uh, we are wide open to suggestions. I am not wide open to the idea of Kansas winning this game. I think TCU is going to come in. I think they're going to flash their speed. I think Kansas is really going to struggle with that. And I think they they run that 
a little bit of the three three five that's going to be designed to 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 slow down the the run option of Daniels. And I think they're just going to you know have a superior athlete and the Max Duggan has been. I, you know, look, Jalen Daniels should be in the Heisman conversation. If Max Duggan lights it up on Saturday, I think he's <laughs> got to insert himself in there at some point. I mean, his numbers are preposterous. So um, I, I just like the overall general skill of, of where TCU is is better. And I think we did see a little bit of what the Kansas offense could struggle with when they face sort of a a, a, a higher-end defense. Yeah, I, I mean, Max Duggan right now, third in total QBR, like 75% completion rate. It's been pretty crazy. I... I do feel pretty good about TCU. I don't want to overreact to last week because we might just find out that OU is just not very good defensively. They kind of threw us off the scent a little bit in those first three weeks, but two straight uh, weeks of getting torched by pretty different offenses. And and I'm trying not to overreact. I, I can't help but overreact to the speed we saw in that game. Um, they've got a ton of it and it makes last year's struggles a little more inexplicable to be honest. But um, I, I just, th- this is the most explosive offense in the country right now. I assume that makes a difference. Um, Kansas, I like I, this has been a really fun story to, to write. And they, I mean, obviously they're, they're just about a shirt of a bowl game at this point and, and things are going to keep uh, cruising along, but you know, I can't, I'm struggling to get past the fact that, you know, in my SP plus rankings, they've faced two good offenses or two top 50 offenses and they've allowed 38 points a game. They've faced one top 60 defense and they scored 14 points. Um, so it 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 feels like this comes crashing down at some point. If if TCU stays hot, then it'll probably be this week. And and I'm gonna cover. I'm gonna pick TCU to cover. I will say this is a Sunny Dykes team, and at some point we might be talking about the Sunny Dykes fade again because uh, he's kind of ha- he had a history of that at Cal and and SMU and whatnot. But I mean, it's really it's hard to anticipate that one coming with as good as they looked last week. So I'm going TCU. Bill, it's funny. Great minds. I brought up the fade on Wednesday on the podcast, losing four or five, three or five, three or five, three or five, you know, in his time at SMU. It makes it sound like I think that he's not a good coach. I think he's a, I think he's an outstanding coach. And as for Max Duggan, that performance against Oklahoma, only two players in Big 12 history had 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, 100 yards on the ground, and two rushing touchdowns in a game. <laughs> Max Duggan and Jalen Hurts. That's yeah. it. Also consider that when college game day is present for a TCU game on campus, the Horned Frogs are 5-0, and undefeated. Totally agree with you on all of the, the numbers about the level of competition that Kansas has faced and the numbers that they've put up against that type of competition and how their offense was slowed down by Iowa State. And all of that being said, Uh-oh. I suspect TCU will probably win the game, but there is no way, no way I'm not taking the Jayhawks and the seven at home. So I will take Kansas and the seven. I'll take the points. Home dogs by a touchdown. Um, I like I like my odds there, even though I, I do think TCU is the superior team. I know Kansas is in uncharted territory. Uh, having game day there uh, for a first time can be a little much. Uh, for some programs, but I think Leipold's a pretty a steady influence on the group. I think Kansas is good. And as much as we can say Iowa State slowed them down, and they did, I like the fact that Kansas showed they can win a different kind yeah. of game. <clears throat> yep. they, they, can win, they can win a high-scoring, fast-paced game, and they can win 14-11. So I'm going to take the Jayhawks and the points on Saturday. 
Bill, have you ever been to a game at Kansas football game? Uh, I've been to a couple terrible Kansas Missouri games. Yes. Um, okay. What is? What do you think the environment will be like their game day? I've never been to a Kansas football game. Well, it's never. I mean, it's gonna be. It's gonna be great because it's gonna be a full house, and <laughs> and um, you know the game day effect there just the makes it a big day long experience and whatnot. It'll be a great environment. I, I you know, they weren't amazing environments when uh, in in the late '90s and early 2000s for the games I went to, but it'll be. It'll be all you hope for, I assume. Okay. I'm just curious. Just like, you know, sometimes when the fan base has a longing, you know what I mean? Like, and they've waited right. for their moment, they really, they really show. But I don't just have a great sense of it, what the Kansas football fan base is. Well, and and that's, you know, w- when there's longing involved, you never really know what ha- what happens if you're down 14, nothing pretty quickly. Like what you can, uh, the, the anxiety and the crowd you can you can kind of hear it that buzz and and we'll see what happens at that point but i think they know they're playing with house money right now every single team on the schedule the rest of the way has a winning record um it's i i this is going to be kind of a just happy go lucky kind of nothing to lose crowd it should be a lot of fun oh oh oh, and by the way q39 and joe's kansas city both have outposts there in the southwestern suburbs of kansas city right before you just head straight west to lawrence uh, they make it very, very easy to procure their brisket, and the Q39 brisket is, the, is still the best my wife has ever had. She's the brisket expert. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love the way the conversation's going here. Red River rivalry. That is a mouthful. Texas is a seven-point favorite against Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. Let's go Bill, Reese, Pete. So I wrote a piece on Wednesday about um, uh, 10 games that describe the Red River rivalry, basically. I always enjoy doing those pieces, and um, it's fun kind of, you know, reliving Spygate from the 70s when Daryl Royal challenged Barry Switzer to a a lie detector test to prove they weren't... um, (laughs) Prove they weren't spying on practice, and and Switzer then later told uh, a reporter that yeah, I was talking. It was semantics. I, he he said I said my staff uh, didn't uh, spy, and that was true because it was actually Fairbanks' staff before he left a few years earlier who spied. Um, so great, great stories all around and it's a weird rivalry. And last time they both were kind of down and playing as unranked teams, the next decade was just nonstop classics and top 10 teams and all that. So still feel, it's still going to feel like a big game, even though, uh, these two teams are, are, you know, not terrible, but they're both three and two. I, 
my numbers say OU still has a 50-50 shot. They look really good the first three weeks, and uh, my numbers don't know that their quarterback situation feels extremely dire at the moment. Uh, so I, I'm inclined to lean towards Oklahoma, but, man, it's hard. Um, that defense got torched so badly the last two weeks. And Hudson Card, like, never mind the Quinn Ewers, will he return or won't he or whatever, Hudson Card looked like a Heisman candidate against West Virginia. They They did not do very well on the line of scrimmage in that game. And they still blew out West Virginia because Card just threw the most accurate passes we've seen all year, pretty much. So everything in any trend you find feels like it's pulling you towards Texas. Uh, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of points to give a team that hasn't won. Uh, that's won like one of the last or what one of the last seven in the series and three out of the last 13, something like that. I'm, I'm going to go against every instinct I have and go with OU. I, I have those same those same instincts, Bill, because of the way Oklahoma has just found a way. I mean, yeah. uh, like even even last year, you know, Texas spitting up the big lead, which has become commonplace for Texas. The emergence of Caleb Williams last year. Um, this is the this is the only Big Twelve game in which there isn't a ranked team playing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's fascinating to me. So it shows it's a different kind of matchup. If not now, when? for Texas. And if I knew Dylan Gabriel was going yeah. to be good and, and able to play the whole game, I would definitely go OU, but I don't know that. And I figure Texas, Texas has to be due or, or what are they, you know, when are they going to win this game? It's a lot of points to give, but I'm going to sort of hold my nose and lay the points and take Texas mostly because Oklahoma's defense has been so vulnerable to the big play and the fact that I don't know for sure uh, how Dylan Gabriel is going to be. So if I had a quality control analyst to self-scout my picking of games the past five years, it would show certain trends. Mind you, these are just really things in my mind that I've learned I've hated because you can't predict them, right? One is I hate picking North Carolina because they're completely spastic. Two is military academies are often really hard to project and get a feel for because there's, there's a variance in in performance there that I'm sure Bill could quantify. I mean, I'm purely anecdotal. Three is I've just learned I hate picking Red River because it is just a bonkers game every year. We you can you can streamline analysis and look at trends, but man, there's always some sort of defensive touchdown that comes out of nowhere, special team gashes. It is a game where you really can't get an SP plus for the emotion in that stadium. And I know Reese, you've obviously been to that game. Bill, have you ever mm-hmm. been to that game? No, actually. So it's it is bonkers. Put it on your bucket list. It is probably my favorite college football game to attend. Just for the pure spectacle and scene of it. I remember I think it was 19 when I was there. Uh Shane Beamer was coaching for Oklahoma and Urban Meyer was there for Fox. And they both stayed and stood on the sideline. You know, those guys had seen some stadiums now, right? And they were both like, wow, this is different. Like, this is something different. So all that said, I'm just going to go completely on who would I feel less good taking, right? Dylan Gabriel's status is up in the air. In this post-Tua era that we're in right now, I'd be pretty surprised if he plays. That's just general general thought. Yeah, Quinn Ewers' timeline has pointed for him to come back for this game for a month. Um, so if Quinn Ewers plays and B. John Robinson plays and Xavier Worthy plays, I'm going to take Texas. But this game will not be a blowout. Let me be clear about that. Like, there's just zero chance this game ever is a blowout. 
which means it probably will be. But I'm going to take the Longhorns. I'm going to assume they cover, and I just think they're going to have superior skill against a defense that has just been an unmitigated mess under Ted Roof. There's no other way to say it. They ha- they can't line up. They can't tackle. So if you have the best tailback in the country, presumably a pretty good quarterback with either one, right? Hudson Card's played well, as, as, uh, as, as Bill pointed out. And, and Xavier Worthy appears to be healthy and kind of clicking again. I just feel like I'm going to bet on the skill because if I don't, I would just be watching that game Saturday and just get like queasy in my stomach. It's This rivalry in the past has been kind of a uh, show of power kind of deal. But one team wins a bunch in a row and then the other team blows them out and wins a bunch in a row. And then we go back and forth, you know, the 2000 Oklahoma game or the huge 63-14 win and then Texas does the same five years later. So maybe this is where Texas says, okay, we're seizing control and just destroys them. But it's hard. As many close games as we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years in this series, it's really hard to predict that. It is good! All right, I think we got the game of the day here. Utah, a a four-and-a-half point favorite, Mm -hmm. headed to UCLA. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. UCLA made a believer out of me last <laughs> week. And I was a skeptic. Maybe it was uh, too much weight being uh, placed on what I saw in the South Alabama game. Um, they looked sensational against Washington. The question is, can they follow up that, uh, that type of performance against what I believe to be the most complete team, if not just the outright best team in the pac 12. Um, I'm I'm going to take Utah and and Cam Rising and you know Clark Phillips had that great week last week. They sort of uh, they put the hammer down late against Oregon State. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and lay the four and a half on the road and say that Utah kind of keeps it going before the showdown with USC next week. And there's certainly game day implications for the Utes going on the road into the Rose Bowl in front of tens of people. On uh, on Saturday afternoon. Well, I, uh, I I've started. You know, it's it's early October here in New England, and you know we're in, we're in fall weather. But I, I may have to dust off the old North Face and uh, and, and get ready for some, maybe some chillier weather in the shadows of the Wasatch Mountains. I like Utah in this game. I think Utah is essentially a better version of what Chip Kelly has created at UCLA. I think they're better on the interior line. Obviously, Utah has the, the loss of their their star tight end, which is a big factor in this game. That's been a that's been a position of strength for both these. These programs a little less so now for Utah, but ultimately the Utes have the sixth best defense in the country. UCLA has the thirtieth, which is a, a remarkable, remarkable uptick. But I just I am skeptical of who they have played, and I think we see a little bit of a more tested Utah team. I think Cam Rising is the kind of veteran quarterback who can go on the road and and deliver a win like this in a likely not that hostile environment. So I am going to uh, I'm going to take the uh, I'm going to take the Utes. It's more points than I would like. Um, and in my in my SP plus rating, swear that this is going to be a straight toss up game. Um, hmm. like, uh, what does it have like Utah? How by... anomalous is it, Bill? If you don't mind me cutting you off, that four and a half is a difference between the line and your SP plus. Seemingly from you from you talking, you know, from us doing this now for five six weeks, that's a pretty right. big gap. It's it's a surprise. I mean, that's at this point, you know, in a given week, like two thirds of the games will be within like two to three points. Um, so finding one that's more than that, where where there isn't an obvious like injury component to it, like OU Texas, there's a humongous injury component to it, and that's why those numbers are off. But um, it's it's a surprise, and I will say 
I mean, UCLA, it, it had a read on UCLA last week um, mm-hmm. that my ratings did. They, they were, it was much more bullish than I was about uh, their chances against Washington, and that turned out to be uh, bang on. So I, I guess maybe I should listen to that. Really, though, I'm just rooting for, like, I've one of my favorite games of the entire season, like, from the start has been the thought of, you know, unbeaten Utah versus unbeaten USC. And we won't get that because Utah basically had two red zone glitches against Florida, but um, we're, we're still on pace for the next best thing. So I hope I'm going to, I'm going to make my Utah pick with the hope that uh, the Utes will win by seven to 10 and set up what should be an unbelievable game. And it really is. I mean, there are a couple of glitches away from being a top five team right now. And they've looked the part ever since that game ended against mostly iffy competition. But I mean, this is two, two extremely efficient offenses and one extremely efficient defense. The other one being UCLA's defense that, that still kind of does the bend up break thing and we'll see, but I, I do, I'm going to go with my heart on this one and say Utah. Very intriguing matchup out in the Big Ten West. Iowa going to Illinois. Illinois, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's go Pete, Bill, Reese. Well, how the old tables have turned quick reputationally in the uh, in, in the Big Ten West. Uh, I give a lot of credit to, to, to Brett Bielma, who has essentially built a better meat grinder than Wisconsin and then Iowa. Now, we'll see, right? Ultimately, you got to play the game, too to prove that in its uh, in its full form. But I really think that that Illinois right now I, it's it, again this would be cr- this would have been crazy for us to say, you know, going into the year, right? But I just feel like it 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 would be hard for me to pick against them just because they obviously have the dynamism in the run game. They have the the nation's leading rusher and they have proven to have as good a front seven as anyone in that league. Like this will not be a high scoring game. It would not surprise me if Iowa blocked a punt and won. Yeah. Is the over under bill lower than the Iowa Rutgers over under? I don't, which I was, uh, I was told that was the lowest in like 10 years. I I don't think it's that low, but I'm going to look up where it is now because it's, it's this week's where would it have to be for you to pick the over game? Um, and, and I don't really know what that number is because yeah, you're talking about Illinois first in points per drive allowed so far. I was third in points per drive allowed. Neither of them are top 80 on offense. Uh, well, it's down to 35 and a half at the moment. Um, so we're, we're getting pretty close, uh, to wherever that line is, but it's, yeah, this is going to be, well, it's funny because Illinois, and I'm just going to jump in with my analysis, I guess, uh, Illinois, when they hired Bielema, I was just like, you know, are you really, do you, do you think as Illinois, you're going to be able to do the big burly man ball thing better than Wisconsin, better than Minnesota, better than Iowa? Um, we obviously don't know that they can do it against Iowa and Minnesota. We'll find out at home the next two weeks, but uh, they sure did against Wisconsin. Um, this is, this was a reeling Wisconsin and whatever, but that was a, a, a resounding performance. And it, it gives me a lot of pause. I'm still going to go with history. I'm going to pick you. I'm going to pick Iowa outright, I guess. Um, but it, it's, nothing's really going to surprise me there. P- putting money on Iowa, even scoring three points in any given game, much less against one of the best defenses in the country is uh, dicey. I'm going to go with Illinois. Um, because I don't have any faith, obviously, for good reason, the worst offense in the power five that Iowa has. But they're the I'm not as much worried about the blocked punt 
or the block <laughs> kick going for Iowa as I am the scoop and score because only three teams in the country have lost more fumbles than <laughs> Illinois. They've lost seven fumbles. Wow. And for a team that's ground-based, that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot for anybody. But, I mean, when you rely on that and you're not going to have a bunch of possessions in the game, those types of things can be magnified. And the Iowa defense is legit. Um, I'm going to go with Illinois because I just simply cannot pick Iowa until they show something <laughs> on offense. But I, I'm worried. I'm worried about the turnovers. I'm worried about their because when you fumbled, when you've lost that many fumbles, that's not a fluke. That's a propensity to fumble, and it's uh, and it's worrisome. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take Illinois at home and lay the points. The rare scoop and score call. <laughs> Florida State heading to NC State. NC State a three and a half point favorite. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. I, I need to go back and watch NC State Clemson again. Um, like I, I built it up in my pre- column, and I think we talked about it too. Just like this was uh, this was Devin Leary's moment to prove that this is a different NC State and and everything else. And then they, you know, they they get it was only ten points in the end, I guess, but they still just uh, let Clemson and get away from them and um i don't really know if that was larry's fault felt like his receivers dropped a lot of passes but that was that was tough i mean from a number standpoint they still have the edge here i think as people says like nc state by five um so a little more than the line but you I, i'm really really worried about a hangover um just the simple fact that, that that was the biggest game in school history last week uh they only sort of showed up for it and now they've got to go back and get their act together against a very fast florida state team um, that, you know, hasn't looked all, didn't exactly look amazing last week either. Maybe that counts cancels out. So, and I don't know, this one's, I don't feel good about either one of these teams. Um, give me the home team, I guess I'll, I'll just take it all back and get the team that's playing at home. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't expect a great game from either one of these come to think of it. I'm sure our listeners are glad they listened to like, uh, 43 minutes of this podcast for I'll take the home team bill. <laughs> I, I got I got nothing. I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this game at all. Yeah. I think one of the most disappointing units in all of college football has been the NC state offense. And while you could say that Saturday night in Clemson was uh, Clemson's reemergence as uh, proving that they belong in that ultra elite tier with, Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State, I still felt let down by the fact that NC State has this veteran team, their moment was there, and a chance to maybe step up the offensive production, and they didn't do it. And and it hasn't been – it wasn't just a product of the Clemson defense. It might have been on that night, but they've done this all year. They haven't been as productive there, you know, lower middle half – in the country and offensive efficiency, um, you know, and there have been drop passes, there have been miscues and all of that. And the, and, you know, this veteran defense too has been really good, but even they, you know, gave up some ground against uh, Florida state. So what is, what's the mental uh, rebound for both of these teams after coming off, you know, uh, less than great performances. I, 
I took Wake Forest last week as a super dog to beat Florida State because Wake Forest sort of made believers out of me. And I, But I listened to Pete and what the scouts have said about how talented Florida State is. Florida State's probably getting a, a little more productivity uh, on offense right now in terms of, you know, in terms of being efficient, though it wasn't necessarily in evidence uh, last week. I'm going to take Florida State in the points. A little bit, little bit of a gut feel here. Uh, if NC State is what we thought they could be, then they'll respond and drop the hammer. But I haven't seen enough evidence to believe that yet, so I'm going to take Florida State in the points on the road. Yeah, you know, the – NC State had, you know, the, the first offensive lineman off the board in the draft last year, Big Icky, um, mm-hmm. and, and they returned their other four linemen. Now, the, the vexing part about NC State's offense to me is that they've just not been able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they right now have the 95th ranked rushing offense in the country, and Florida State, quite frankly, has a really good pass defense. Um, it, it maybe didn't flash as much against Wake last week, but that, that is like a that is like a solid unit. So I feel like matchup wise, it's going to be very difficult for NC State to just like let Devin Leary rip against Florida State. So these are two vulnerable teams. It's a really interesting test of their psyches right now because you lose this game and your season gets you know uh, hairpin turned in a completely different direction. Than, uh, than than you had thought in in September. So I think it's a really a really intriguing test of the resolve of the coaches to uh, you know because you fall off a little bit of a cliff now if you uh, if if you lose this game and and a lot of aspirations you're you you were hoping for and aiming for and thought were very attainable all of a sudden slip away. So there's a, there's a unique desperation to this game and. When they're when when in doubt, NC State has earned our skepticism the past five years, right? When 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 the stakes were large, you know the the pack has turtled. It's just been a, it's just been a very simple trend. So again, for my own mental well being, watching games on Saturday, I'm going to take Florida State, and you know I hope NC State and Devin Leary earn earn our trust at some point, but it just hasn't it just hasn't emerged yet. Next week, um, Florida State hosts Clemson and NC State goes to Syracuse. So whoever loses this game is staring a three-game losing streak in the face. It is good! Our last game of the day before we get to our locks, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. We've been talking about it all week. He's got checks to cash as he heads to Alabama, the Tide, a 24-point favorite. Stanford Steve had a really interesting question on SV Pod, uh, Scott Van Pelt's podcast. You should listen to that every Tuesday morning. Can Texas A&M score 14 points in Tuscaloosa? Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill to zip this one up. Well, that's the that's the whole thing about the points. Uh, first of all, I'm over the whole Jimbo Nick spat thing. Maybe it's because A&M has struggled. Maybe it's because we don't know if the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is going to be able to play or not. But that's we'll, look, we'll address it briefly. Mention it probably is a better way to put it on game day. That's not the compelling storyline for Texas A&M and Alabama. It's the direction of the A&M program and, and how thirsty is Alabama for revenge. Uh, that's that's how you pick the number because the number jumps out at you as 24. Wow, that's too much. A&M will, you know, can keep it within 24. But then you say, okay, whether it's Milrow, whether, as Pete has alluded to, whether, you know, they might, combination of Milrow and Ty Simpson, who's the third-string quarterback, five-star guy for Alabama, or if Bryce Young can play since he's day-to-day. 
are they real? Are they going to keep them from scoring 40, 42 points? Doubtful. I mean, AM's defense is okay, but if your offense can't move, you get you get worn down. So um I took Arkansas on the points last week and and look, thought I was looking like a genius there for a while, and then Jameer Gibbs went wild. I'm I'm gonna take Alabama and lay them at, at home. I think, you know, I'm looking at something probably like a a 42-17 game, and uh, but that that covers easily, right? 42-14 28. So, so I'm going to go – I'm going to take Alabama and lay the points. So, Reese, this is the difference between you and I. I love the Jimbo Nick stuff. I can't get enough of it. Like, you're 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 just a, a more polished, classy person than me. I really think it's, like, one of the most fascinating things we've seen in the it, last it decade. Would be, Pete, it was, but now yes. – and it would be yeah. if A&M were 5-0. and but, but see, the difference is I like leaning into this and you're you're moving on to the actual football. It's again, it's yeah. just a difference between us two. That's all. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. And I am taking Alabama. I I we could analyze the game, but I'm gonna analyze the petty just to show just, just to take our difference. I just think when this game hits that mid-third quarter and there's a decision to keep the foot on the gas or take the foot off the gas from Nick Saban, my general hunch after that Jim after that Jimbo Fisher press conference is that the, the pedal will be pushed. Um that is just that is just a hunch. I do agree with your analysis completely that AM is going to have a hard time stopping them because they will not be able to hold on to the ball. I, I think it I think it's that this team has shown consistently that it will flinch when the moment is big. And I don't see that uh I don't see that slowing down. So I will I will take the tide. I will take them to roll, and I hope we get a little more, you know, ju- juicy storyline other than injured quarterbacks uh, coming out of it. Yeah, every quarterback in the country is day to day at the moment. Just yeah, everyone, they're all questionable. Um, hey, Bill, that keeps me in business. So hey, that's don't, true. Uh... <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, the Saturday wave of so and so will play or won't play. I think you, you've probably got like 138 uh, articles queued up for this week. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I see the smart thing since I'm still slightly ahead of you guys. The smart thing to do would be to just go ahead and pick Alabama too. And and I'll you know in the name of not feeling stupid about your pick, that would also be the way to go. But I'm going to listen to numbers uh, against my best interests. Um, my SP Plus ratings say 19 is the is the edge for Alabama, and that does not factor Bryce Young's injury in. The main reason is the AM still just doesn't give up big plays. Um, first time all year. Last week was the first time all year they gave up more than 21 points, and it was to a Mississippi State team that, as good as I mean, Alabama's probably got a better offense, but Mississippi State still has one of the most unique offenses in the country. And Jalen Milrow, here's the one thing I'm going to lean heavily on as I make a terrible pick. Uh, Jalen Milrow last week, the more if he does end up playing a lot, he was all or nothing. He was four for nine passing, um, didn't do a lot there, but had a 70-something yard run. And Gibbs had two 70-something yard runs. It was just uh, it was three plays that basically put that game to bed. AM prevents big plays, does a very good job against that. Probably won't do that. It won't give up seven, three 70-yard gains, even if even if Gibbs looks so stinking fast on those runs, um, man, this hurts. I, I'm going a and and I've committed to it. Um, and, and I can tell you all the r- r- numbers and, and whatnot why, but this one probably does have a lot to do with uh, Saban's general level of mercy, and that doesn't usually show up in games like this. All right, boys, that's it for picks. What are your locks before we head out? Bill, give us a lock. You're the numbers <laughs> no, guy. I was... Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to lean into the, into the, the picks. I'm going to feel really, really stupid about, um, 
Georgia the last two weeks has underachieved against the spread by 56 points. Um, I don't think there's any serious reason for worry. I, I assume that's, um, you know, kind of a, they're just, their attention spans off and at any moment it could snap back into place and they're playing Auburn and they could get their coach, Auburn's coach fired if they win, but you know, 63, nothing. And so maybe that all comes to pass, but it's the line's now up to 30 in that game. Um, and this is another one where, um, you know, it's not like my numbers are trying to make this a coin toss or anything, but they, they have it as only Georgia by about 19 because Auburn's defense is very, very good. And, and Georgia's, I, I, this is another one. I feel stupid as the words come out of my mouth, but 30 points is a lot for a team that has underachieved that much in the last two weeks and doesn't really have a deep threat right now. Missouri very much took advantage of that. Um, and, and went a lot of cover zero and was very aggressive up front. And Auburn can do that too. So uh, this could blow up massively, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Auburn with my best bet of the week. I'm going to go ahead and lay, I'm going to go ahead and lay a big number for my lock of the week, um, which I haven't been great at these for whatever reason, but I don't really know why the BC Clemson line is only 20 and a half. Night game, Chestnut Hill. I know, you know, sometimes BC's gotten riled up up there and sort of fought Clemson for a while. I don't think that's this team. I, I mean, I really – I feel pretty good with as Clemson's offense continues to uh, evolve and seemingly get better every week. There's no reason to take the foot off the gas because they do need to keep getting better So and keep uh, building Uyangalele's um, confidence. I'm going to I'm gonna lay that 20 and a half that I see with Clemson right now and say that that's my lock against Boston College. Yeah, that's a good, uh, you know, looking at what BC's offensive line has gone through this year. I don't yeah. know. There are many position groups in college football who have just sort of been uh, as beaten up and uh, debilitated by serious injuries as, uh, as they have. I'm going to go with uh, – Jeff Halfley's old boss for my lock of the week, Ryan Day. Um, I believe last year, and Bill can check his numbers, Ohio State scored 173 points on Michigan State uh, in the wake of the Mel <laughs> Tucker contract. That's at least what my yeah. at least what my memory uh, calls. Now, look, the game is in East Lansing. That could be a factor. Jackson Smith and Jigba is uh, there's some ambiguity around him playing. Travion Henderson did not play last week. He's expected to this week. I just feel like Michigan State is incapable of scoring and Ohio State is excellent at scoring um, and did not show any fear in scoring a lot against uh, against Michigan State last year and can put up points in bundles when the offense gets handed the ball quickly, which Michigan State's offense has been elite at doing, giving, you know, giving it back in a in a, in a timely fashion. So again, I did not take uh, I did not take the cheese like you guys did with the forty point line against uh, against the valiant Scarlet Knights who covered that uh, who covered that <laughs> much to my sad sad delight. Um, but I am going to take the uh, I'm going to take the Buckeyes there in, in East Lansing to, uh, to 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 let it rip and really do what they did to Wisconsin. Travion Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba are like two of the ten best skill core guys in the world. They've barely been healthy all year, and Ohio State's averaged fifty six points a game in the last four games. That's and crazy. they're how about their first road game of the season? Yeah, <laughs> Ohio State and Auburn both going on the road for the first time. Doesn't it feel like Michigan State, Texas A and M, maybe to a lesser degree, but somewhat uh, Arkansas and Miami, all feel like 
um, if you're a, a student of, of history, maybe you can go back to some of the uh, old European battles where uh, there was a, a, a group that was just totally outmanned, overrun, uh, desolate and distraught, and they, they've been they've been backed into a corner. And there's one final battle here as to whether they are just going to be obliterated and and lose the war for the season or they have to come out and fight, and even if they don't win, make something of themselves. That's what this feels like with Michigan State to me, and it feels that way for, for A&M and for some of the other teams I mentioned too. So never underestimate what could happen. Now, there's no way Michigan State wins the game, <laughs> but never underestimate what happens when you're totally, when you've got no choice, with, that you are finished, you know, <laughs> if you don't win this game, because you start, you start looking at uh, – bowl eligibility for some yeah. of these schools and, you know, or lower tier bowl. I mean, Michigan state after this, you know, they're going to lose. That's going to be four. And they still have at Michigan at Illinois at Penn state. I mean, I, they're not going to a bowl. I mean, you know, that's going to be four, five, six, seven, unless they somehow, you know, upset Illinois on the road and no, no evidence to say they would do that. They're not going to go to a bowl. So, and you can let go of the rope real fast if you yeah. get beat 50, 55 to nothing or something like that on Saturday uh, at home. So I appreciate the intangible pep talk, Reese, and I certainly leave the numbers to the expert bill, but Michigan State's total offense is 92. Their total defense is 100. No, I, Those are not saying, good totals. <laughs> like, I, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. They're not going to win, and, but they have, if they get, if they look like they don't belong, Again, like they get beat by 50, get beat by 60, you know, then, then I don't know how do, do they, do they win two more games the rest of the year? I mean, I, it, it turned know, fast, you know, yes. it can turn, turn really fast on them. Yeah. I'm looking at, um, from SP plus I've got, I'm looking at a 39% chance of bowl eligibility and a 26% chance of going four and eight or worse. Man, I, I think that's a generous uh, chance at <laughs> yeah. bowl yeah. eligibility. I mean, look, these are not just losses. These are all double-digit losses, yeah. like like not in the game losses, the three that they've had, and they're, and they're not going to be in the game. My question is not whether they'll give them a fight. It's like whether will they be humiliated. Right. You know, if they, if they lose, if they fight them and they lose 42-17, you know, that's not good. Uh, it's not what you're after obviously, but it does at least, at least they're not just going to go roll over, you know, right. and that, that's what, that's what I wonder about to see how they're going to react, especially if say, let's say they get down 21, nothing in the first quarter, they have a first half like Oklahoma had against TCU. They give up 500 yards in the first half. You know what, what happens then? But that, it'll be, it'll be fun on Saturday. It won't be fun for Michigan state, but it, it'll be fun for us watching it. For sure, not. I feel like next week on the pod, Reese, we're going to be discussing the length and value of Mel Tucker's guaranteed contract. I have a feeling that will be a pod topic. It, my, it, my opinion has not changed on that in the last uh, ten months or whatever. It's it's a it, it's a rough look. They had a great season last year and good for them, but you know, one season does not a program build. Takes a little while. Takes a little patience. Same for some of these other teams that are struggling as well. I wish you all. Just enough luck to finish a game behind me in the standings this week. <laughs> Thank you, Reese. You're, you're welcome. This has been the College Game Day podcast. Your picks and, of course, 
Play responsibly, as we always say. You can listen to the podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, wherever you like to get your podcasts. And we will see you from beautiful Lawrence, Kansas, on Saturday morning on College Game Day. Thanks for listening. Download wherever it is that you like to get your podcast. We'll see you next week.